Hello and welcome back to uh, the second podcast of the Crazy Eights. Um, I'm Josh Byer. I'm Gabe. This is Hunter. I'm Davina. And uh, today we're going to be discussing chapter 16 through chapter 22, so the end of the book. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with the first chapter. First chapter is notes. And in that chapter, if I can find it real quick, one minute, let me get to it. Talks about Norman hanging himself um, and O'Brien receiving a 17 page letter from him. Yeah, this is the. Um, yeah, this is whenever he uh, sends a letter to O'Brien saying, uh, "You should write about this. I trust you to write about it, but I don't want you to use my own name." Um, and uh, my question for you guys about this chapter is uh, about Norma Bowker. Um, and what it is is, does he think what he did was the right thing? So uh, in the story of speaking of courage and of everything like that, we see that um, he essentially, like there's bombs going off everywhere, he's getting mortar shelled and everything, and uh, he didn't see Kiowa next to him after one exploded really close to him, and he just went to the dike, which is like a uh, basically a peninsula out into a region of farmland. But um, he went to the dike and sat there, and then afterward, after they were trying to find Kiowa, he was looking for the picture of his girlfriend instead of looking for Kiowa. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good, uh, it's kind of a tough situation there for him because he's, I mean, like in that instant, he's, he doesn't really know what to think. I mean, things like it's all chaos and everything's going on. Uh, and that's probably a thing that he really regrets uh, like doing because I mean like choosing like a loved one over a or a picture of someone a picture just a photograph of someone over a loved one is really um, it's, it's kind of hurtful I guess for him and so losing losing Kiowa or Kiowa however you said is um, definitely uh, hurtful for him so I don't know I think he just I think he feels a regret for that it's a tough situation, though. Well, O'Brien feels a regret. Uh, uh, Bowker. Bowker, Bowker, yeah. Bowker so feels it. <clears throat> also in the chapter, especially on page 151, uh, Tim says that he had a nice smooth glide, no flashbacks or no uh, night sweats yeah. back into civilian life. Mm-hmm. So do you think he is guilty or feels bad for his comrades who aren't? And everything like that. What do you think it was like for him when he got back to the States? Norman? No, for Tim. Mm, it makes me think about, like, we talk about in Psych, like, some of the first, like, stages of grief, some of the first ones, like, displacement or denial. So I think for any, like, soldier coming back, I think especially for, like, Tim, I think for him, since he did survive and he made it back, that was, like, those first kind of stages, and it was easy to transition because your brain, like, psychologically once you like experience like an event like that tends to like push it to the back of your memory and like and like kind of power through in a way um but there are like there i think if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like a lot of this novel is like him just remembering due to like symbolism or like objects and certain things and so this letter would be one of them um so i think like he made that transition because like that's just like a natural like psychological stage of grief um but i think 
this letter, um, even though it talks about like the details of like on 153, the details of Norm Fiber's story were missing. Um, so did he have like a previous version that he was gonna, or is he talking about like putting that in the novel? Either way, yeah, I'm just saying um, like that like helped bring up those memories. There was a previous version where um, he wrote for Norman because Norman asked him to, but to not use his name. Uh-huh. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. whenever Norman read it, he sent him a letter that essentially said, I can find it real quick. Um, uh, yada, yada, yada. He said it was like nice story, uh, but there was no, um, like there was, Oh my goodness, where is it? It's right here. His reaction was short and somewhat bitter. It's on page 153. It's not terrible, he wrote, but you left out Vietnam. Where's Kiowa? Where's the shit? So I think the story wasn't akin to what he was uh, feeling or what it really was or anything like that. There's that. Okay. All right, so that's that chapter, uh, and then <clears throat> then it's going into the field. That's the next chapter. Yep. Chapter seventeen, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, chapter seventeen is the story of how Kaiwa died, a more in-depth story of how Kaiwa died and uh, how they find find him. Um, it also talks about uh, Lieutenant Cross and uh, his ideas and feelings behind this and everything like that. He kind of blames himself for his death. Exactly, yeah. When he wrote his letter to Kaiwa's father and was thinking about him all the time and made the mistake of letting him. Is that what he's talking about when he says a crime Jimmy Cross thought? He was thinking, like, that's his crime? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the crime that he was talking about was um, he was told through orders to stay there and like yeah. from higher ups yeah. and he knew that it probably wasn't the best spot to be because you're down low he thought you know let's go higher ground lie about the coordinates but he didn't and he blames himself because he since he didn't Kaiwa died and that's his he fault followed orders. he followed orders yeah. and Kaiwa died mm -hmm. and he finds guilt in that and he blames himself for that so. my question for this chapter is if you had like a companion in war with you would you want to write a letter to the family mm. yeah or would it be too hard for you or I don't know would you think that they would be like why the heck would you write a letter to me like you're a stranger to me oh yeah um in this later when they talk about it and how like all the uh people in the uh crap the platoon are saying all these bad things about lieutenant cross uh why does norman defend the lieutenant and why does he tell azar and the others about why doesn't he tell them the uh, azar and the others about his guilt uh because he definitely blames himself for it because especially 159 He's, uh, there was, he starts out with some lieutenant, Sanders said. Campus in a toilet. Man, don't know shit. Uh, nobody knew, Bakker said. And then it goes on. They keep talking, and then uh, 
Norman Backer says again, it wasn't the lieutenant's fault, Backer said quietly. Who's then? Nobody's. Nobody knew till afterward. So he defends the lieutenant's decision, but why? Why in this moment would he defend lieutenant? I understand that he blames himself partly for why uh, Kiwa died, but he wasn't in charge of setting up the unit. Why doesn't he feel the same way as the others do in his platoon? Why does he defend the lieutenant? Yes. I mean, just from like a logical standpoint, I would just because there's an easy way out if he was just following orders. Is it could be that he just didn't believe that it was his fault. You know what I mean? Like he like from from his standpoint, like that was. I mean, it's almost like like a like in football, like a mandatory play call. Like you have to do the play. Like it's not like you know, it's just what the coach said to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not like. A, I mean, I didn't, when I first read that, I didn't really see it as a, you know, I don't really see, even though Jimmy Cross thought it was, a, it was a crime, I didn't see it that way. I thought he was just doing his job, so it's just the cards that were dealt. But I, I don't, I don't know if that's what Norman's thinking. Could be. What do you think? Oh, what do I think? Yes. I think it's because he blames himself mostly for it. Especially since afterward, uh, uh, whenever he talks about it, he says quietly. Like, Backer said quietly. It wasn't the lieutenant's fault, Backer said quietly. Um, I think that he didn't want to out himself as the person, as the reason why, uh, Kiowa died, the reason why they were bombed. Um, but then again, I think he did. I think he wanted to be blamed for it because nobody else was blaming him. It was almost like uh, he felt bad because people weren't blaming him. He knew that it was his fault, and he knew that he had done something that to cause it. So he wanted to be blamed. He wanted to be blamed. Like he wanted that closure, like to like yeah. accept that. Exactly. This is Bowker. Yeah, Bowker wanted. He was the leader of the platoon, right? <laughs> no, that's Cross. It was, it was that was Cross. Of, was the reason why Bowker wanted to be blamed was because he was the one who showed. Uh, Kiowa a picture yeah. with a flashlight okay. so in subconsciously he's blaming himself because that's what they saw that's the reason why they bombed us they knew we were here because I shined the flashlight okay he's showing like, up to yeah you guys have any other questions about this chapter chapter 18 Alrighty. On to chapter 18, called Good Form. O'Brien talks about the difference between real truth and the story truth, and I feel like throughout this chapter, he wants us to just really feel what he felt. Yeah, the two-page chapter. Yeah, it wasn't too long. Yeah, it wasn't too long. Um, I do have a question for you guys. It is, why can he honestly say that he killed someone? While also saying he honestly didn't. Well, I think it's a uh, he. Well, one it was a joint effort for that 
not an effort to kill that man, but the way that happened. But he says, um, I was present, you see, and my presence was guilt enough. So the fact that he was associated with the killing, it had the same toll of like a killing someone on him. And that's why he, he feels like he was responsible. But, yeah. You know what I mean? But in earlier in the book, he says that he was the one who threw the grenade. Yeah, I don't, yeah, what, what happened there? Um, when he killed the guy, uh, he threw the grenade, you know, because it was an instinctual reaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. That was a chapter before you left. Yeah. And, uh, what was your question again? Sorry. Um, why can he honestly say he killed someone while also honestly saying he didn't? Because that's what it says. Uh, right here, right at the very last paragraph, mm -hmm. and it's 172. It says, Daddy, tell the truth, Kath Kathleen would say. Oh, it's just the dude that he, he, did, he, like, sees, like, right at the, right towards the beginning yeah, of the book, yeah, like, yeah. chapter, like, five. Oh, yeah. okay, that's this one. Okay, my bad. Um, and it says, all I can say, honestly, of course not. Or I can say, honestly, yes. And that's his daughter talking to him? Yeah, he's talking to okay. his daughter. Because yeah. his daughters would always ask, did you kill anybody? Did yeah. you ever kill anybody? So... Yeah, I think it's just that, like, sense of guilt that he feels. Like, I don't think he wants to, or maybe it's just, like, bringing it back up, like you said, like, you know, that PTSD that gets to, gets to soldiers after the war. It's just, like, tough to talk about. And do you so, think Do you think he's still in that, like, denial phase of grief, and so he just didn't, uh, yeah, part of it would be not wanting to share with his daughter because he's young, but also that, like, he just doesn't want to admit to himself that that's actually what happened, like, like you said, it was just instinctual. What do you think, Davina? That's, well, why would he say that and say, I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to know the story. Why, why story truth is truer sometimes than happening truth. That's a good question. No bias, no faces. Yeah, I, I got the same thing like Davina said, like, like, that's what I got from this chapter was, like, the goal of his of this chapter is, like, is to make the reader feel like he felt. And so by doing that, he, he kind of, like, gives the reader a, like, sense of feeling, like, yeah, this is tough to talk about. And so, I don't know. Yeah. That was just his whole point or focus throughout the chapter. It's true. Two pages. Whole two-page chapter. Yeah. Right. Chapter 19, Field Trip. So, uh, this is a story of long after the war where he takes his daughter to Vietnam. And that's when all yeah. this stuff comes, all the memories pop up again. Yeah, yeah where he, he yeah. goes to that to the field and he remembers it to be smaller than it was whenever he first was there. It didn't seem as real to him or anything like that. And even one part of the chapter, uh, him uh, taking off his socks and shoes and going wading out into the water and telling his daughter I'm going for a swim and everything like that. Yeah, this is where he, uh, if I recall, this is where he like stripped off all of his clothes and like got, is this where the guy noticed him in the field? Like, only in his underwear? Is that right? 
Well, it was only eight inches deep. Or something like that. Yeah, that's what it said. So I mean, like it goes half up the calf. Oh, yeah. So I, I think he just took off his socks and shoes and rolled up his uh, pant legs and went uh, in there. And then it also said that he waded out there to his chest eventually. Uh-huh. You got page 178? Yeah. So, I have another question specifically about uh, the daughter in this one. Well, so, before you do that real quick, um, when he talks about that, that man's face was dark and solemn, is that a symbol for something else? Could be. So Dark he says he. So when he he walks in the water, he like freezes in the water, right? Solemn. And solemn. he like, huh? I was. I can hear you talking. What solemn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He like he walks in the water and he like stops mm-hmm. and he starts thinking about Kaiwan and what a good friend he was and and uh, the water. He walks in the water and then he finds that farmer that's standing up and looking at him. Yeah. But neither of them moved. Um, and he says. For a second, I thought the only one would walk over, but instead he picked the bush up and raised it over his head and held it there for a long time, grimly like a flag. Then he brought the shovel down, said something to his friend, and began digging the hard, dry ground. Remember earlier how we talked about, like, uh, being present of something is and, and feeling killed is the same thing of, like, actually killing someone? Like, that feeling can, can make you... It can, like be very similar to actually killing somebody is this guy like digging his grave is that what it's supposed to symbolize like mentally he's like in a state of like death you know what i mean yeah he's frozen like he can't move and this solemn like dark dude is just like great you don't know you know like symbolizing you know it's like symbolizing death yeah exactly i don't know like he's frozen like he's just yeah, it's a possibility, and yeah. And he has a shovel. I thought that was cool. You know, he's... Mm. And he b- began digging. Maybe he's like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, digging and digging a grave. It just sounds like he's trying to make, like, a symbol there. That could be true. Yeah, it is true. Possibility, um, yeah. And then, also in this, he puts Kiowa's uh, moccasins deep into the water. Yeah. Deep into the muck and everything. Maybe Which I he's thought was finally grieving his death, like he's like burying, burying it away, yeah. putting it away, yeah. like getting that closure we were talking about. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's kind of makes sense. How does that end? Okay, so I do have a question about the daughter. So, if in the daughter's position, how would you react to the trips? To what would seem? Uh, Seem random places. So As if you back to, to yeah. The, you know, Wait, what so you if you were if you were the daughter, yeah. and you would you were going with your father to these random places mm-hmm. that you would think as random, how would you react? Would you act similar to she does, where she calls her dad weird, or she, um, like stays in the car or wants to leave sometimes? Mm-hmm. That's like very much what a child would do, but yeah. What would you, how would you guys react? I would react the same way she's reacting because I don't know the behind the story that everything that he's gone through because he's not telling her everything, like the deaths that he's Isn't experienced. She 
And yeah. she's young, too. Yeah, and you also go to say, she's, she's like, like 10. seven. She's I, 10. I mean, at 10 years old, of course, I think anyone's going to act that way, though. And of course, you're not going to tell your kid at 10 years old, hey, I've killed people. Well, yeah. So I think she's reacting naturally, but anyone. It's kind of young to tell your kid. I mean, yeah, if you look at that last page on 179, she's like, all that gunk on your skin, mm, wait, wait till I tell mommy. She'll probably make you sleep in the garage. Like, it is right over her head. She has no idea what's it's going like on. It's almost like a joke to her. Or like, yeah, exactly. She, she just thinks her dad's it. psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little young to be. I don't know. Like, you, should, you probably should have waited a couple years, maybe, until she could actually grasp it. That's true. <laughs> understand. I don't know. Seems like. That's, I would wait. That's that chapter. Yeah. And it goes on to the ghost soldiers. This chapter is talking about him being shot twice. Yeah, him being shot twice. Mm -hmm. The first time, it was just like treatment and it was going well. But the second time, what, John, Johnson, John Ferguson, what is his name? Um, like Johnson. The J one? Yeah. That shot him and he wanted the revenge. Oh, he didn't shoot him. He just didn't do anything at all. Oh, I know what you he wanted revenge on him. Yeah, so, so the first time he got shot... Um, O'Brien got shot twice. Yeah. First time he got shot, Rat Kylie, he fell on the Rat Kylie's lap, and Rat Kylie was like, all right, gave him some morphine shots, and literally went away for a little bit, and then would come back to check on him. Yeah, and he was treatment. And he was fine. Yeah. But the second time he got shot, he got shot in the butt, and um, the Johnson dude just sat there and was like watched him for 10 minutes and then finally built up the nerve to go over there and help him and then later uh, he, uh, Tim learns that he almost died of shock hmm. so um, yeah I imagine that I would hate this person too if they just straight up it was their job yeah. to do that and they didn't yeah that was one of my questions would you want to seek revenge I mean, I wouldn't seek revenge. I would just have, you know, not the greatest opinion of the guy. But then again, I don't really find revenge appealing. I think I'd just be pissed off. Yeah, I'd probably be petty for a little bit. But. Yeah. Wasn't really a whole, like stuff on this yeah. I didn't really have any I questions on this chapter uh, this chapter was all about him just saying that how he got shot and talking about rap Kylie and how he asked Azar for help yeah how he asked Azar for help he asked Azar for help to scare Johnson didn't yeah. he yeah that's what was happening they wanted to scare him with a flare right yeah that's right mm -hmm. and then O'Brien backed out and then Azar wanted to keep going and then, like, called O'Brien pathetic for not going through with him. Yeah. So, that was that chapter. Um, Nightlife is next. Yes, that is Nightlife. And they're in the platoon, and they're receiving this word that there's possible danger, and they're needing to move, and it's creating tension between all of them. And that's when Kylie the medic 
shoots shoots himself in the foot. Yeah. And then he goes to Japan for a long time. My question for that one is, if you're in that condition and it's oh, so Oh, he bad, shot off his toes so they would yeah. helicopter him away? That's crazy. If the condition was that bad, that. would you shoot yourself to get away from it? Like, well, probably. I mean, the guy's a medic, and um, he so, was starting yeah. to be extremely paranoid about the, like, the bugs yeah. and like, exactly. scratching his skin, and he looked the really images. horrible. Wasn't yeah. he dreaming about something, seeing things? Oh uh, yeah, he was seeing things like whenever he would try to sleep and Body during parts. the day yeah. he would like see like uh, other soldiers like livers sex, right? or mm -hmm. like see people without their le arms and legs and it wasn't the fact that he was scared by it. Uh, the thing, the reason why he was scared was because he was genuinely curious. Uh, he states that it was like a doctor uh, observing patients with a, such like a candid curiosity. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Why did that scare him? That's his job. That is his job. But did he want that? I mean, if that's what he signed up to be, I was he just drafted in? Is that? Well, whenever you draft, um, you look at people and you say, "There's a sign, you right?" Well, not there's a sign in. Um, the way my grandfather told me how it works was. Uh, the people who placed the highest in reading scores were your medics. Uh, so if you could read something and react to it quickly, you were a medic. Mm -hmm. Or it would work in volunteers. Be like, all right, we need three volunteers. And then you would volunteer, and then you were now a medic. It was almost being voluntold. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, so he probably did it, yeah. So that common theme that we were talking about was a grief. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we are finding a common that. We got O'Brien in the last one with, the, with, with his daughter, and then we got, um, well, who is it? Uh, Norman and Cross, and then the whole death of Kiowa. And now right. we've got okay. this grief um, going with, uh, okay. yeah. Rep and the medic. So I guess O'Brien, through this last section, is trying to like build that common theme of grief by by showing like how yes, what it does to their brain, but then like what their brain causes them to do. So for in this instant, it caused him to shoot himself in the foot and then leave. And I think that's that's pretty interesting. Oh yeah. And then the last chapter. The Lives of the Dead. I think this is the most impactful chapter of the entire book. Not just because it's last, but because of what it talks about. It doesn't really talk about um, the war that much, besides how they uh, bombed a village and then they talked to the only dead, only confirmed kill. Like he old was man. a guest of honor. It was an old man. Yeah, old man. Yeah. They would shake his hand and they would sit down and talk to him, as if he were still alive. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, but then it completely switches gears about midway through, and starts talking about a girl named Linda. The girl O'Brien fell in love with in the movie. On. Yep. Oh, and um, she died. And she did die. Because of a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. He found that out. Just he found that out when he got back. No, 
This uh, he, they were both nine, and they were in the fourth grade. Uh, oh. He found that? out she had a brain tumor, hmm. like, the year of, and, um... Oh, she always wore that, that red cap to yeah. hide her hair. She would always wear that. That is true. Um, but it also talks about, like, uh, my goodness. Um, good, good grief. There's a point in here where, it, uh, where the little girl is talking about death. Uh, and how she equates death to being, uh, like in a storybook that nobody's reading. Which is, I thought was pretty interesting. It's an interesting way to look at it, how to think of it. Yeah. Imagine everybody's just a book that is being read, and whenever you die, the book closes and you're never read about again. Mm. It's pretty interesting. Um, I do have a question about this chapter, though. Sure. Does Tim blame himself for Linda's death, or the way Linda died? Her brain tumor? Yeah, it was, that wasn't really his fault, just like the way that she died. He still talks about it even mm -hmm. though uh, he says, I'm 43 years old. Yeah, yeah, at the bottom of that too, doesn't he say, I want to save Linda's life? Yeah, he wanted to yeah. have saved her, but and he blames himself for her death, but why? He couldn't have done anything about it. Yeah, someone they love yeah exactly. He says on 224, halfway through, he says, but I loved her and just couldn't accept it. So I think, again, he's having to deal with that like grief. And then he says, uh, sometimes you can cut them out, other times you can't. And for Linda, it was one of those times when you can't. So he understands that there was nothing that could have been done, but he just couldn't accept it, is what he said. So He's just experiencing grief. What do you think? Josh or Hunter, I don't care, Josh. Yeah, dude, I agree with you, hundred um, percent. That's that is like that's going back to like our theme. That's why we chose that theme as our um, that's what it is for this five chapters. Because he's it's hard to accept death. Like, but even if there's like nothing you can possibly do about it, then there's there's always still that that grief or guilt feeling that you know like like why did you die or you know like. It's just, exactly. it's just kind of a human thinking, I guess. It's like it's the first time, it's the first thing you think about when you think about death. So, yeah, I think it just goes along with our theme. Yeah. Well, it's, it's. I feel bad for this guy. It's like even when he escapes the war, he's still surrounded with that death. Yeah. It's just a bummer. That's true. It's a lot of good, a lot to go through. Yeah, it's just how it is. It's how it was. Good thing this world isn't everything. It really is. Alright, that concludes our uh, <laughs> Crazy Eights podcast for this week. Uh, chapters 16 through the end of the book. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned.